Welcome to Wear With Sepet. Each week, I chat to amazing graduates from a range of backgrounds to help young professionals like yourselves take the guesswork out of making those all-important decisions at the beginning of your careers. To keep up to date with our episodes, you can follow us on Instagram and LinkedIn. And to find my episode reflections and find more resources, you can also check out our website at wherewithsep.com. I hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, we're really lucky to be joined by Lucy, who's a business strategy analyst at uh, Telstra Infoco. And I guess without any further ado, first of all, thanks so much for coming on, Lucy. We're really lucky to have you, but um, maybe you can give a quick intro on how you got to where you are today. Most definitely. Hi, everyone. Hi, Sapir. Um, First of all, I want to say thank you for having me <laughs> on this podcast, because when you messaged me, I was like, he doesn't even know that I'm the biggest fan of this podcast. So. Thank you for having me, and I'm very excited to be here. Um, As you mentioned, I work at Telstra in the strategy team, more specifically in Infoco, which is the infrastructure part of our business, Um, and I've been at Telstra for almost three years now, so it's been a lot of fun, and I'm joining everyone from Sydney, sunny Sydney, even though it's not so sunny right now, and um, in terms of, you know, a bit of fun facts about me, I've got got two cats. I adopted during COVID <laughs> and I yeah. am, I like reading in my spare time. What else do I like doing? I'm um, sorry to say I am a runner. Well, I'm not a runner, but I do enjoy running and I picked that up. So not to be that person, but I am that person. Um, and that's a little bit about me. I'm so, so happy to be here today. Yeah, you you had me in the first half when you said how much you were liking the podcast, and then you started talking about how you like Sydney and running, and then yeah, now I'm and then you lost me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Now now I'm no longer a fan. Um, of course I kid, but um, yeah. So for for the context of the listeners, the way I know Lucy is she was actually the president of one of the big um, uni clubs at Melbourne um, when she was when I was studying, and that's the Melbourne Microfinance Initiative, and. So I just want to talk a little bit more about your time at uni, first of all. Um, can you just tell me um, why you decided to move down to Melbourne and perhaps also like why you studied what you did and stuff like that as well? Yes, for sure. So I moved to Melbourne from Sydney for university and I went to the University of Melbourne, did a BCom, so Bachelor of Commerce, and I majored in economics and finance. And why I guess I chose to moved down to Melbourne while well, I wanted, wanted something new and it was the least risky option. And I would say the same applies to why I'm doing my, well, why I did my degree. It was um, door to many opportunities, I thought. I did some subjects mm. in high school, it gelled well, thought it was interesting to delve in and yeah, hit the trigger and now I'm here. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and I think, I think a lot of people relate to what you say. Like realistically, not everyone enters commerce wanting to become an investment banker. A lot of people don't even know what that is in year 12. And so can you just tell me a little bit about what you did at uni to kind of help figure out what you want to do? Because even though you are, you do have a lot of opportunities, that's also a problem, right? Like you have mm-hmm. so many different things that you can try. So just, yeah, what did you do at uni to try to help figure yourself or figure that out for you? Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. I think a lot of people, I don't know, there's almost this notion of romanticizing that you've always known what you wanted to do, especially mm-hmm. going into university and having a very strong passion towards a certain um, degree or a certain area of expertise. And I think for mm-hmm. a lot of people, that's, and myself included, that wasn't the case. Um, and, you know, going into commerce, it was more about exploring, okay, there are so many opportunities, but what works for me is definitely just the gamble. Um, and I think for me, it was about just going out there and doing, trying a lot of different things 
Um, and I think, you know, not knowing what you want to do is actually such a great opportunity because you're not siloing yourself to anything and you're quite literally open to anything. So yeah. that in of itself is an awesome um, perspective to have. And I think, you know, I tried a lot of uh, jobs, a lot of internships, part-time jobs as well on the side, um, okay. as well as just taking interesting classes here and there as well. I think Melbourne's pretty unique in that you can do breadth subjects um, and go outside of your little area of expertise, which is always mm. lots of fun. And you meet a lot of new people that way too. And I think speaking to people was also a massive influence to you know me figuring out what I potentially wanted to do based on their experiences and you know how they've come in their life and what um, advice they have and so that was a big learning factor for me in university was just to meet new people and and learn from them and learn more about yourself through that lens mm -hmm. I think that's such a good point because a lot of people like they start uni with the perception like they want to find out what they want to do as soon as possible. And then they just like have tunnel vision from that point onwards. And like yeah. oftentimes they're literally like first or second years and they're already like just narrowing down their career paths, like one or two career paths. And it's ridiculous because like, actually there's so much of a uni degree where you have, like you said, not just your know, clubs, not just jobs, but also meeting different people through subjects and stuff like that, where you can actually get exposed to a lot of new ideas and you don't have that view if you are just looking down one path. So mm -hmm. that's such a good point. And can you, can you perhaps speak a little bit more to so you had like some work experience, like you said, you did a couple of internships, you also worked part-time and then you also were part of a, a, you know, one of the biggest uni clubs on campus. And so can you just tell me, um, what did you like, yeah, what did you gain from that experience? What did you learn specifically about, I know that you did an internship in investment banking, you did a part-time role. What did you learn about those careers and, um, yeah, how did that help you make the decision when you eventually graduated? Yeah, for sure. I think I'll, I'll work chronologically, so I don't lose track of what I'm saying myself. But I think when I started uni, you know, being fresh from another state as well, not really knowing anyone in Melbourne, um, I joined Melbourne Microfinance Initiative. So MMI literally at the start of first year, um, saw a poster in the spot elevator for the uni mail people, they'll know what that means <laughs> and applied. And that was, that was crazy. And kind of just I dove right into this experience and realized that, wow, this is a great club because A, I feel like it's multidisciplinary. So lots of people from lots of different backgrounds with a shared purpose joining together. And that's always such a unique experience to have in of itself. Um, and it was just an amazing place to make friends. And a lot of my lifelong friends that I've had for years have been from MMI. So that has been such a, I guess, shaping aspect of my life and my uni um my time at uni as well so I was at uni for three years I was in MMI for three years so it's quite literally my whole experience at uni um and in terms of you know jobs um part-time jobs or internships I worked retail in uni at the actually at the start um and then I had gotten a job through a friend I had met through MMI at this uh boutique marketing strategy firm I would say called Camino Research and Strategy and there was the three of us so hello Triana hello Leonard if they are watching um and <laughs> we were all in MMI and we were all work working at this boutique firm and that was an awesome experience just to you know get some real work-life skills that you don't really learn at university um and just to be more confident in a professional setting and it's always more comfortable when you have your friends there or just people you know doing it with you. So that was awesome, you know, could get my toes in the water a little bit. And in terms of 
internships. I did one internship during university in my second year. Um, I did an internship as an investment banking summer analyst at Flagstaff Partners. Um, and that was an awesome opportunity in of itself as well, just to, you know, the amount of exposure and the amount of skills, both soft and hard that I learned on that job was, was awesome and really shaped me for, I think, graduation and everything afterwards. Um, did I want to become an investment banker? No. Why did I do it? To try it out, you know, <laughs> in the spirit of not knowing what you want to do and just trying things, I just tried it. That's so so that was my experience with, I guess, work and internships during uni and a bit about MMI as well. Yeah. And I think one thing to note is that like, you know, you obviously um, move from a different city and like a lot of people who join uni clubs are in that position where, you know, they want to meet new people. They want to meet like a diverse set of new friends, like you said. Um, and, you know, you're obviously very personable. So like, you know, that helps with that kind of meeting new people as well. But what, one of the things is that like, even a lot of people who are going in with a lot of friends, like they should, they should consider that same view as well. Just because you're going in, you know, comfortable does not mean that you shouldn't place yourself in you know, new situations mm -hmm. and try to meet new people. Um, but yeah, I think your, your, your experience is really interesting. And I, I think it's absolutely encouraging to, for people to say, like, even if you don't necessarily want to do something, like you can still give it a go. Like the worst that you, worst thing you're going to find out is that, you know, you don't like a, a certain career path. Um, one thing I think is really relevant for you and I'm curious about is that you talk about, um, let's talk about like IB for example right so mm -hmm. you did an internship in there um and truthfully speaking like when you are in like these big uni clubs when you're in a degree like commerce there is a there are a lot of people who are wanting to go into these career paths and, and granted like that that's fine like they, these are paths with great progression like really really attractive um for good reason but how do you kind of did you ever find the problem of like uh almost being pressured by other people like kind of going down the same path as them or almost feeling alone if you weren't pursuing the same path as them. Cause I, I doubt that you know, I don't doubt that you were surrounded by a lot of high achievers and stuff like that. Yes. Yes. I, that is a very, very good point because I think you're always a product of the people around you in mm. every case. And I also think in an environment such as commerce as well, there's a lot of that sense of, you know, underlying competition, even mm. amongst those, your, the peers you're closest with. So I think, Definitely, that definitely did shape my uh, mentality when it came to, you know, what should, what should I be doing instead of what do I want to be doing? Mm. Um, and yeah, when I, when I made the decision to apply for internships, it was, I'm not going to lie, it was, um, it was based on the perceptions of others. And, you know, even though I was in the mindset of, you know, I want to try a lot of different things, maybe the skewed sample of things I did apply for was more of a quote unquote, you know, popular sample of that everyone wanted to apply for. Yeah. So I think that is definitely, um, definitely prevalent and I'm sure in every degree as well, not just commerce. Um, mm -hmm. But I think looking back in terms of if I were to give myself advice during that moment in time, I would definitely say, you know, what you want to do, what you think suits you, um, the career that you want to go down, even if you don't know, you know, any career. Um, in mm. all those three aspects, the main thing is you. So what yeah. do you want to do? What drives you? What makes you tick? And that is something that other people can't decide for you. You can follow, but at the end of the day, at least in my experience, it doesn't really serve you as well as if you just listened to your own gut feeling. And um, yeah, but you know, in the spirit of trying new things, sometimes you got to get a bit uncomfortable to know exactly what you do want. So don't let that deter you from, you know, um, going down particular paths, but I think, yeah, in most situations, it's always good to stay true to yourself. 
That was very, very well said. I think that that's a lot of people give advice like that, but I think you said it really, really well, which is that like, especially in uni, like the whole point of uni is that you have these years where you get to try like what you want to do and no one's going to come after you for giving something a go and then end up not liking it. Like, I think that's one thing which, um, you're right. You absolutely, um, said it really, really well. So I think, um, yeah, some really good advice to uni students listening right now who, you know, may not know exactly what they want to do. Like you have certain years to try it out and you should use that, I guess after so you know you kind of talked about you know leading up to your final year and the experience that you had and then you talked about you know graduation so um just walk me through like what your thought process was so i'm I'm guessing so you said you you did banking didn't like it um and then you had to find a job right so like what what was what was your thought process there did you apply for kind of different kinds of roles as you mentioned before um yeah was your thought process different yeah, yeah. So I think in my third year, so when things start to get, you know, everyone enters that grad mentality, you got to apply for things, yeah. got to get a job. Um, mm-hmm. My method, I would say, to put simply, was the cast of net far and wide. So I quite literally, I mean, I tried banking and I was like, okay, maybe I didn't love that. So I can put that aside for now. But there are many things that I haven't tried. So I'm going to quite literally apply for everything. And I think it's, important to uh I, I feel like an important piece of advice is i feel like as a uni student as someone looking for a grad role most of the time you do feel like you're you know the power imbalance is there you feel like okay i want a job but all the power is with these employers who mm. you know if i'm lucky they'll choose me or they'll offer me a job and especially in an environment that's so heavily competitive and everyone's you know in this mindset of oh i've got to got to secure something before i graduate that kind of just tunnel visions that even further and i think in order to maybe a stay true to yourself and be just calm down a little bit I think it's important to take a little bit of power back and I think in my experience by casting the net far and wide and really seeing it as an opportunity for me as well to learn more about other companies or what's out there it really allowed me to you know have more conversations at the table you might say because I think with things like applying for jobs and career and everything like that and everything else in life it's always a two-way street so these firms are offering jobs for uni students. They're offering opportunities, but you're trying to find something for you. And these, you know, interviews, if you get into interviews, you should take it as an opportunity to ask questions, ask every question that you have and really make sure that, okay, this is actually the place that I want to work. Like I'm not just being influenced by all these external forces around me, but I'm actually, you know, treating this as an interview for the company like, mm-hmm. are you going to value me or am I going to fit in here? So it's almost like a two-way interview. Um, I have an analogy in my mind. I don't know if this makes sense, but it's like speed dating. Like treat your grad, <laughs> treat your grad application process as speed dating. All right. You're going to go in, you're going to ask questions, be like, hey, do I even like this? No. Okay. I'm just going to go to the guy next door. So <laughs> that would be my advice. It seems a bit silly, but I think it actually did help a lot in terms of taking off a lot of that pressure and realizing that, hey, at the end of the day, this is my future and my decision. And just because a firm offers me something or just because I get something doesn't mean I have to go that path, you know, like there's always something out there. And I think, you know, something I will always preach is say no to good things and say great to so say no to good things and say yes to great things. So you really want to 
give yourself that capacity to find something that really fulfills you. Right, right. Uh, for the listeners out there, not it's not not for all of you will it be similar to speed dating. So if you're not good at dating, then please don't follow her advice. But I think that's I think that's a very very good way of putting it. Um, not sure if I can relate, but um, moving on. But I think like yeah, you're just dropping like facts like every five seconds. I think like you've said like some really really important things there. And I think one thing I'd, I'd add on to what you said about you know you're interviewing the company just as much as they're interviewing you is that mm-hmm. that doesn't change because you've got been rejected. Like exactly, even though you haven't got a role in six months, it doesn't change the fact that you should be valuing you. You should be valued just as much as you value these roles. And like, I think people lose sense of that because, like you said, right? Like, it's 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 not you know it's not unfair because they're worried about like you know and exiting uni and all of their friends are going to be starting work and they might have that. But there are very few situations I know of people where they actually you know for a long period of time do not get a role. And I'm not I'm not saying that no people are in that position. But like oftentimes you are not exactly in control of every single force like that is causing you to be unemployed or employed. Like you might be in a bad market or you, you might just not have had enough practice or whatever it is. But you, know, you, you should view exactly what you said, regardless of you know, if you're getting accepted or rejected. Um, so yeah, absolutely fantastic advice. And um, maybe just carrying on from that, can you just tell me what was it about? So you said you applied for a, a lot of different roles, which was excellent. Um, can you tell me what it attracted to you? Um, attracted you about kind of Telstra's grad program? Yeah, for sure. I think one main reason was just how big the cohort was, right? So Mm. Telstra in of itself is a very large organization with lots of different functions, lots of people from different backgrounds. Um, And as a grad cohort, you actually do get exposure to everyone in the cohort. Mm. So I thought that was very unique. We had a very large um, cohort in Melbourne when I started. So we had almost 200 people. Um, join as grads and that was in of itself a very unique experience in that you know Mm. it almost felt like you were a little community together learning new things together um, (laughs) and growing together in your first career I would say Um, so that was a big part of it I think I've always been someone who is really interested in um, other people how their minds work what they really Mm. like and what they what their passions are so I thought that was a great opportunity to just you know similar to MMI meet these kind of people and learn from them and learn from more about myself from them. Um, I think another thing was it's such a large organization to the point where there are so many opportunities within the company itself. So I think it's very unique to be able to work somewhere where, for example, I started off in the strategy and finance division um, as a graduate. And then after my graduate year, I actually moved into the commercial side of the business um, right. looking after pricing. So it was a very hardcore pricing role, which is completely 180 to what I was doing before. And I was able to learn so many new skills, be you know exposed to so many different stakeholders, really understand a whole different area of the business. And it was a fairly easy process to do that. And I think they, they were really um, caring towards their employees when it comes to, you know, what actually, what do you actually want to learn? What do you actually want to do? Um, and being able to accommodate for that, which I thought was quite unique and just a, just a great avenue to have because, you know, no one's going to you know, sit here and lie and say the job market is easy. It's very hard, especially when, yeah. when you want to try something new in a different industry or in a different area. Like when you don't have that experience, it's very hard to break into those um, barriers and try something new. So I feel like when you work for a large company like Telstra, moving internally 
and still getting the opportunity to have all these different experiences um, is was very special for me as well. And I think now that I've you know actually moved out of pricing this year and back into strategy, but in our infrastructure business, which is, again is a whole nother learning curve and a whole nother job in of itself. And I can mm-hmm. say in the span of three years, I've had three different jobs, but at the same company. So I think that was um, great. And for me as well, just as someone who clearly loves new things, I'm just having the type of my life. And then, yeah. um, and the third and I guess biggest factor for me and why I chose Telstra was the culture is just amazing for, for me, at least mm-hmm. personally. I think like the work-life balance is great. They really look after their employees. Um, I work from home. Personally, I work from home every day. Um, and there's that choice, like no one is forcing you to go back. Um, mm-hmm. They really look after you, you know, when you're at home. I don't know if I can say this, but when you're at home, they like send you, you know, working from home equipment, things I just feel looked after. And I'm just like, yeah, I can do things that I find interesting and I can be comfortable doing it. So um, it's really important for me, at least, to have a job where, you know, I can plan my job around my life and not my life around my job if that makes sense Mm. so that was you know some key reasons why i chose telstra yeah i think someone needs to write a book with all these uh quotes from you in it to be honest you're you're dropping a few very poetic lines but yeah i think i think that's like i think there's a really nice set of like um sorry values which i think not everyone may necessarily agree with them but i think what is very clear through the way you talk about your job is that one of the big ways you can kind of figure out what you want to do, at least in my experience, is that you need to consider like what's important to you. And like, mm. I'm just like you in the sense that, for example, like I really, really value working with people who I um, I think are very, very switched on that motivate me to work better. And I also like it when those people are similar to me. So like I, for example, as a grad, like I want to work with people my age. And there's a lot of industries where that's just not the case. Like you, if you work in a startup, you might be the only person your age in that startup and the next person older than you, maybe is five or six years older than you. Mm-hmm. So, I, like, I, and I sense that's kind of the case with you and like that's something which you kind of develop through more and more experience, um, both yeah. working and talking to people and stuff like that as well. I guess let's move on to the next section. Let's talk about your role and I want to expand more upon the grad program actually. So mm-hmm. you've talked so much about like the things that are lovely about the grad program. Um, you know, you get to work people, uh, work with people your age, it's a match with the cohort and stuff like that. Um, can you just tell me what, um, was there a reason why, for example, that you didn't move into maybe a more a generalist role? Because you talked a lot about, um, you know, internal mobility, right? You get to move into a lot of different business functions. Uh, and a lot of people with that same mindset would say, okay, well, then why don't you move into, say, like an advisory role, right? And typical one I think of is obviously consulting. Um, and like then you could choose what you like maybe after three to four years after that. Um, did that ever cross your mind? Um. I think, well, from my experience, what I also really like about Telstra and the culture is that because we, it's more like of an internally focused business. So we, mm-hmm. you know, every, I guess you could say strategy team within Telstra services Telstra. So we don't have external clients as a traditional maybe management consulting firm would. And that just allows for, I think, a lot more um, A, a sense of community and B, a sense of shared purpose. Um, with not just your team, but like every single person in the business, right? We're all part of this larger ecosystem. And I think I really enjoyed that. And um, I guess if you want to go into the nitty gritty, it is a lot more chill as well, which I enjoy. Um, I know you're going to be working hard to bear with when you start working. So, um, but you know, it's a different, different folks. But um, 
yeah, I think I really, I really like that style of work. So that's why I decided to stay. Right, right. Different strokes with different folks. Just yet another <laughs> one. It's just, oh, you never know what you're going to throw at me. But um, no, okay. That's, um, I think that's a like, very good reasoning. I think you gave like a, a perfect ex- explanation for like, I think a lot of people's minds immediately go to that when they think about generalist roles, but you, you, you know, you've illustrated perfectly that like you can do that within a company as well. And often mm-hmm. times you get better exposure to like the company specifically. Um, I, I was going to ask you, like, can you tell me about your role but, and like what you love about it? You've obviously already done that to a <laughs> big extent. Um, but can you just tell me about like, I guess what you've actually done? You know, you talked about you work in pricing, you've worked in strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, and can you tell me also about just like the mobility? So like, how easy has it been to move between business functions as I guess like someone like you really likes, like you said, trying out new things. Um, how, how's those first three years been like at the job? Yeah, for sure. So first year was my grad program. Um, we had two rotations um, and that was, I guess, in terms of mobility, quite easy because you got to pick, you know, which teams you'd like to try out and um, where do you like to go in the business? What skills you'd like to develop? And there's a whole team that will help you find that um, personally, which is, has, has been great. So I started off in the financial strategy team, which I would say is more of the in-house advisory for our corporate function of our business. So Telstra mm-hmm. as a whole. Um, and that was really awesome to get exposure to you know, a high level macro view of such a big company, our long-term strategic forecasts and things like that. And just you know really get into the um, deep end of the pool, which was scary as a grad but it was very rewarding um and then the second half of my grad program I actually did a in to add in we call it investment accounting group but it's basically our main corporate accounting group and as someone who didn't do accounting that was people were confused and I was confused but you know in spirit of trying new things um, (laughs) I did it and I realized that you know I didn't really gel with it but I still in a way learned a lot so I think um, a big takeaway for me from my grad program and I guess uni and all the um, career related things and learning in general is that you can't discredit any opportunity or any experience. Like you literally learn something no matter what you're doing. And mm. even if it's something that you don't enjoy on the surface level, you're still subconsciously picking up new skills, picking up new behaviors that will help you along the way and help you actually learn like okay, what do I like? And that in of mm. itself is such a, you know, priceless piece of experience. So I think never really discount anything that you're doing. I think it's very common, at least when I was a grad, when people, you know, obviously you put in your preferences and maybe they didn't get their first preference and there was that notion of disappointment, like, oh, you know, maybe this is what I want to do and blah, 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 blah. But really noticing that, hey, well, no matter where I'm at, like I'm learning something and I'm, mm. I'm improving myself and I need to, you know, have that perspective. So I think that was something that I took away from my grad program. Um, and in the spirit of that, I think like when I finished my program and it was time to look for a, I guess you could say permanent role in the business, I thought, okay, what am I missing in my you know, foundation of skills? And a lot of it was, you know, I'm missing a lot of commercial knowledge. I don't really understand how a business works like how we really drive the growth that we're saying in all these strategy meetings, like what, where does that come from? You know, it doesn't really come yeah. out of thin air. Like I really need to get deeper in the business and understand more of the nitty gritty and how we actually interact with our customers, which is a big thing as well. So um, moving into pricing, I actually looked after our mobiles pricing, which is our largest portfolio in Telstra. Um, 
Mm. That was a great experience because it was once again, completely out of what I had experienced in the past. And I guess it tested me as well because it was a lot of, you know, um, stakeholder management and things like that, which before I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm that comfortable with this, but I guess throwing yourself in a role where you have to be comfortable um, with it is the best way to learn. So that was awesome. I was in pricing for a year, met really, really lovely people and really just learned a lot in that experience. And I, I, I was like, oh, I know how our business works, <laughs> which is great. Um, and then in my third year, so this is actually my third year, but at the start of my third year, I moved back into strategy, but in our infrastructure part of the business, um, which is called InfraCo. And I think as a telecommunications business, the infrastructure is really the value driver, like everything else in the value stack builds upon your infrastructure. And I think being able to learn more about the value creation, how the interdependencies um, within the business has just been, been great. And, you know, it's a mm. whole new team of new people. Whenever you meet new people, you learn something new and you learn something new about what you like. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe you learn something that you want to check out more. And I think yeah. like, yeah. So I've been here for since the start of this year and I'm really enjoying it so far. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it's like, it's great that, but I think most people think that one of the drawbacks of like joining, for example, one company is that you end up sticking with the same people. But what's really clear through what you say is that like, especially in a company like Telstra, you're always meeting new people and you're always like learning new things. And there's the opportunity for that. One thing which really, really like, um, I think is impressive about you is the way you talk about your career, like really highlights the need to, for people to like, almost like take agency of like taking on new opportunities. Um, and I think that, you know, a lot of people talk about grad programs having a lot of opportunity and things like that, but that's not something which is just handed to you, right? Like, like mm -hmm. you said, like, if you think that you are underexposed to say, you know, commercial areas of the business, then that's something where like you, and I'm, I'm guessing maybe I'm, maybe, I don't know, maybe someone else brought it to your attention, but it's something where you can really like consciously think about that and be like, oh, mm -hmm. I might be interested in this area. Let me go get some experience in that area. And then it's, you know, the company's, um, almost prerogative to, um, give you that opportunity. So. Um, yeah, like really, really impressive that I think that, you, that you've been able to move through so many um, parts of the business. One thing I want to ask about is that, you know, you talk about learning so much and, and it's great. Like you said that, you know, you're learning no matter what. And that that's such like, I think it's so true. Can you just tell me about, um, you know, Telstra is like, you know, a large telco business. There are a lot of people who, unfortunately, they might join an industry and they realize, oh, you know what? I'm actually not interested in this. It might be a bank, might be telco, might be healthcare, it doesn't matter. Um, were you ever worried that you were going to become trapped in kind of this where like, for example, you might have a peer who joined an industry where they liked it. They've been in there for two years. They've been, you know, gathering experience there and, and you haven't, um, did you ever have that fear? That's a really good question. I think that is a very common, um, thought to have as well, because obviously mm. everyone is doing different jobs. Everyone is exposed to different things. Um, <laughs> I personally, yeah, I've definitely had those thoughts like, wow, what, what could I be missing out compared to, you know, my peers who I went to university with in completely different roles. Um, but I think at the end of the day, it's very much a um, social comparison paradox, I would say, where everyone, you know, it's basically a more complex setting of, you know, the grass is greener on the other side. Like everyone is never fully happy what, with what they have. And they always have an inkling, okay, what could be out there for me? What could I be exploring? What could I be learning more about? And I think 
the most important thing, because that in of itself will always be there. You know, you can be mm. the happiest person, the most content person with your job, but you will always think like, oh, what's that person doing? And like, what could I be learning over there? You know, but I think the most important thing when it comes to, you know, your career or anything, any decision that you have to make in your life, it's really what fulfills you. So I like to say, you know, what's your fulfillment pie when I speak to friends going through their quarter life crisis? Like, we can do like, what do you value? And if, can you actually assign, you know, percentages to it? Like, do you, how much do you value your career? Like how much of your life is, how much of your happiness is dedicated to that? There's no right answer. Like everyone is completely different and there's no judgment in that. Like everyone, as long as you're true to yourself. Right. Um, and personally for me having that pie, you know, where do I put my career? Where do I put my friends and family? Where do I put my, you know, certain hobbies and what actually, you know, makes me tick on a day-to-day basis. I, that, I think that really helps me um, drive my decision-making when it comes to where I want to work, what I want to do. Mm. Um, because at the end of the day, it's just tying back to your values, your fulfillment pie and realizing, okay, if I make decisions based on this, I will feel comfortable. And that's, I think that's the most important thing. Saying that though, I do think it is um, common to get comfortable as well with where you're at. Um, and I think if you ever have the you know, inkling that, oh, you know, maybe I am, you know, I have the itch to try something new, I think go for it because you never, you always want to try um, what you want to try before you make a decision and say, okay, I'm comfortable here, right? So I think obviously it's not always easy to get opportunities. And as you said before, like things aren't handed to you, but I think if you never ask and if you never seek there's no one there to help you, right? So there's always, I think in my experience, I've noticed that there's always someone there willing to help you, but you just have to ask, which is the hardest part. So I think definitely keep an open mind and ask away, my advice. Yeah, yeah. I, and I think like one thing you mentioned that's really great is that like there is no perfect answer. Like, you know, people mm-hmm. will think that, oh, like I'm underexposed to other industries. Well, at the same time, you're also gaining like an incredibly good exposure mm-hmm. to like one industry. And like there's, um, I think that, yeah, the way I, the, the analogies today are just off the charts. I mean, the, the, the pie is, uh, yeah, is pretty, is pretty the great. Pie to yeah, exactly. It's, um, that's a great pie, but anyway, so <laughs> you were talking about the pie, so let, let's talk about the pie then. So you have talked a little bit, especially at the start about kind of the interaction between your work and your life. And I'm just really curious mm-hmm. about, um, you know, cause you say you, know, you love meeting people, like you love meeting the grads, um, you know. And a lot of people think that, you know, now that we're back in person, that's something that they really want to go into the office to meet people. Can you just tell me about like, at a high level, like, what do you think the interaction or how do you think the work interaction between your work and life is? And how do you think, for example, like work-life balance and, uh, sorry, uh, not work-life balance, like working from home and things like that. How does that really achieve uh, like an optimal balance between those two? Mm-hmm. That's a good question. Um, and I think when I first started, it was COVID. So it was fully working from home. Um, yeah. Pretty much for the first year at Telstra, I was at home every day. Obviously, we had the grads, but it was all virtual interactions mm. here and there. Um, it's funny, though, because I my closest group of friends <laughs> um, half people I've met through work during my grad program. So I think there are definitely wow. ways in which you can um, connect with people. There's always ways in which you connect with people. And I think even working from home, obviously, you lose that um, physical element to it. but um, and I also think it's very company dependent, depending on like what the work culture is, like how people like to work is a big aspect to it as well. But I think from my experience, um, 
Telstra had been doing working from home even before COVID. So it was a very easy transition um, in that aspect. But I think mm-hmm. in terms of work-life balance and how I, how I view the interactions between those, I would say if we go back to the pie analogy, life is a bigger aspect of my pie than work is. And that might not be the same for everyone. And that might be the same for some people. But I think for me, I always want to plan my work around my life. Um, I, I work to, wait, no, I'm confused now. I've, I think I'm using too many analogies now. <laughs> I've, convinced, I've confused myself. But what I wanted to say is I work to live and I don't think I live to work is a way I like to think of it. So I think mm. in that way, um, having a flexible work arrangements and having a company that aligns with that in terms of values is actually really helpful because mm. I never have to feel the need to sacrifice anything or really um, I don't feel the need that like I, I'm sacrificing my optics or like who I am at work in or for my own enjoyment it's very much aligned and I think when you have that alignment it just makes life a lot easier so for me personally that is how I view it and I've been enjoying it thus far yeah right right that's um that's a very I I like like number one you're you're really honest about it which is which is great and I think that like you make a really good point because again when we talk about like those values you need to find a company that's like in line with that right like Mm -hmm. you, you can just imagine that if if you have like a, for example, like the type of values that you have and you're working for a company that's like not aligned with that at all. And there are definitely companies out there, which are like, you will want to die. And it's something where, um, I think that like, it's something where you should consider that really early on. And it's not hard to figure out, like, you know, even during uni, you you can kind of figure out like, there are just people who they, they really do value that balance. And there are other people who, for example, they might value that balance later on in life, but they might not Mm -hmm. really mind, for example, in their twenties. And so um there's no kind of shame in admitting that and i think one of the biggest lies we tell ourselves is that like oh we have to like have because like someone else or high achievers like wanting to do something that we have to be just like them and i think that's like just just nonsense right um it really depends on the person um so can i just can you just quickly tell me so in your um like in your future at telstra and, and maybe we can move on to the the final section here I'm just curious. So you've moved kind of between you know, the grad program and then you moved between like the strategy and commercial team. And then now you've moved into Infraco. Um, what does like the future look for you at Telstra? Do you, do you become more specialized or is there still an opportunity, for example, if you say, oh, actually, I really liked my strategy piece last year. Um, could I move back into that team? Do you have an idea of what that looks like? Yeah. So I think it's very, um, definitely a more personal thing. But I think for me, I... You know, I've tried a lot of things in the past, you know, two years, my grad year, the year after that. And I think what led me to Infraco was that it was something that I did want to specialize in. So I thought, you know, this is something I do want to go deeper in instead of just, you know, staying surface level. So yeah. in that aspect, I, in my future, I see myself, at least in the next couple of years, growing in this area and learning more about this area, because I think it also has a large impact in terms of, you know, on the everyday Australians, as well as the digital landscape of Australia in itself and overseas as well. And that's something that interests me. And I think I see myself growing here, at least for the time being. But I think if you're speaking more generally, like it's, I think in Telstra, there is this culture where people do move around and they, they like to try new things. And there's endless opportunities. So if, for example, you were someone who thought, okay, this is my third role, but, you know, maybe it's not 100% what I'm looking for, there mm. are still ways to, you know, 
jump around and see what you like. And I think that's always a good, good mentality to have because, and um, once again, two-way street, right? Like you got a role that maybe values you, but if you don't value it in the way that you would like to, there's always, there's always room for other opportunities as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a, again, uh, just like, yeah, really, really interesting. And I'm like, I, I think one of the biggest things I've learned is that like, especially with Telstra, I think a lot of people think that with a big company like yours, like you join, like you said, a cohort of 200 people, like they, they almost feel like they're going to like disappear in that cohort of 200 people. But like what's clear through the way you say it, and I was actually like, I, I'm not going to lie to you. Like, I don't, I know what, I didn't, like, I've never heard of Telstra Infoco in my life. Like, I didn't even know, mm -hmm. like, they have a team that's like specifically devoted to that. But like, everyone ends up finding their own niche. And like, even amongst those 200 people in a business that's as large as yours, like you can still end up specializing. You still end up being like, like a very valuable individual to the company in a, in a very different way to say another one of your peers. Um, and so that's, that's really, really interesting. Um, can you just tell me, I guess, we talk about the future. Would you ever want to go back to school or would you ever want to try something on your own or stuff like that? I'm just very curious to hear about um, kind of bigger, not not bigger plans, but kind of more significant milestones in terms of completely changing your path. Yeah, that is a good question. That is a good question. Yes. Um, well, I think when I started my career in commerce, it was very much, you know, something that was safe, something that was accessible for me at least. And I think before I wanted to do commerce, I wanted to be, not that I'm going to drop everything and pursue this right now, but just as an inkling and a know more about Lucy, okay. I wanted to be, I wanted to be a vet. So that was my, wow. my lifelong dream as a child as well. So, you know, I, gr I grew up with my grandparents actually, and my grandpa was a massive animal person. And so I think that just really? like seeped him. I was like that bug kid, you know, the kid that had bugs. That was me. Oh, Anyways. No. That explains the two cats. But that's not, not the bug it does. Okay. It does explain the two cats. So will I ever drop everything and just go to vet school? Who knows? But I also really wanted to be a teacher in high school, specifically history, because I really enjoyed history. I still really enjoy it. I like to read about it on the side. Um, and so that was something genuinely I was considering. So I will tell you now, I was <laughs> considering that for a little bit. Um, okay. but in terms of future plans, honestly, I don't know. Like I don't have anything set in stone. Um, mm. I am open to, you know, new opportunities, new things, new interests mm. that come up. But as of this moment in time, I don't have anything I'm wedded to. So if that changes, maybe you can do a revisit the, revisit the guests of this show and where they're at now. <laughs> and I will yeah. let you know. But 15 years of, time, you're going to have a bug factory here. <laughs> so i was going to see how that goes but right now i'm i'm happy where i am i'm content and i'm you know learning mm. learning lots so it's a lot of fun but i think in terms of future plans i would like to explore the possibility of doing something on the side of work mm. uh, which i think listening to your podcast as well i think a lot of people have you know shown light on that and how they've inter interacted um with things outside of work and i mm. i've always thought that is such a great avenue to um, get into because it's so important to have like fulfillment outside of just your career. Um, and I think if you are able to find something that not only fulfills you, but is also, you know, serving in terms of whether that's your community or, you know, people around you, I think that's always, always great too. So I am on the hunt and I have been taking notes with your other guests. 
<laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh no, I got worried when you said I'm on the hunt. Um, but yeah, okay. And I think like a really good point is that also, you, you know, a lot of people consider that once they get into, especially, you know, these like careers, which are pretty intense, they think about almost being like a, a choice between like, I'm going to either go into this career or I'm going to like, oh, I, I'm going to drop my hobby. So I'm going to like pick mm -hmm. up my hobby and like drop my career. And it's not like that, right? Your life no. is like you said. It's your life is your life. And yeah, the career may be a bigger part in it than maybe some others, but you still have a life. And um, I think that's, uh, sorry, uh, that, not for the people in finance listening, but yeah, um, for, mo for most people. But um, yeah, I think, I think that's a really, really, really great point. Um, I want to ask you a question, um, and this might take you back, back to memory lane, um, because you are, you know, the president of a social impact club. And I'm just curious to hear, because you did speak about it briefly, right? Like you talked about like serving your community, serving the people around you. Um, how do you think about that in terms of um, both your career and what you do outside your career? Because I, I know a lot of people, for example, you know, they really want to achieve that through their career. Like they, they're, they're, mm -hmm. their sole vision in their career is they want to create like impact. They want to work directly in like almost like impact roles. There are other people who like, yeah, my, impact's like, my career is one thing. And you know, I'm going to, I'm going to do stuff on the side that helps us that. What, what, what's your take on that? Mm, that is a good question. I think MMI, first of all, is such a unique place to be able to be, um, especially in university, you know, it's a student club and for a student club, it is so developed. It is so established in terms of its values and the, really the impact it makes not only domestically, but you know, there's a lot of, um, consulting trips overseas and you're serving those communities, especially throughout Southeast Asia and such. And I think mm -hmm. being exposed to that in university was massive. Like I, before that, I don't think I had any exposure to, you know, there's more social impact side of things in high school mm -hmm. or even before that. And I think moving into, um, university and not only having that avenue but having that avenue in a commerce society I think is very very unique um and I really enjoyed it I think it was there was so much purpose in the club you really felt the energy that everyone wanted to be there and everyone wanted to be there to make a change as well and I think that was that was awesome and I to, as you said people who have gone on and solely devoted themselves to social impact jobs I think that is such you. You know, that is such inspiration and it's really a key to the MMI experience, I'd say. Um, so superstars of MMI. <laughs> but yeah, I think MMI yeah. was was an amazing place to make impact at a large scale while you were still a student. So um, mm. that was great. And I think moving into my career and after graduation, everything as such, I think it is something I was very much wanting to do. But I think there's always that barrier in terms of opportunities it is a very niche market um and it can be very difficult to um get into as well um i know there are people who are in spaces like social impact investing and things like that which is obviously an amazing space and also ties in very closely to the skills we learn for example in finance and things like that so i know there are spaces available um myself personally can i say that my job is fully social impact based probably not like I know there are people who try to, you know, find a little loophole and tie yeah. everything back to social impact, but I'm going to be yeah. honest, I am yeah. not working in a social impact job, but yeah. it is something that I value and I, I really want to explore as well. And when you say things like, do you think you have things outside of work? Do you have things um, on the side? I think that is such a, such a great avenue for, you know, people in their careers or early professionals 
um, to explore and continue that impact because it is hard, but I think it is doable. And it's something that I want to push myself to do because I think Mm. it's, you know, it's important. And it's something that I don't want to lose touch with um, after university because it was such a big experience um, for me. So I, that is an area of improvement for myself and I'm taking that on board. And once again, taking notes, if anyone <laughs> wants to do a job up to the board. Oh, no, it's time to cut it off. It's time to mute you. <laughs> um, but I think, yeah, like it's really good because like you work in a big company and companies are moving towards the right direction here, I guess, because mm-hmm. they're, you know, they're encouraging people to get involved with, you know, volunteering opportunities and social impact opportunities. But I think one thing that you're quite real about is that you, you don't have to be too harsh on yourself if, you know, you're not doing, you know, like you can like social impact and you can still want to, for example, just like focus on learning for the few years of your career. You're not a horrible person. Exactly. But at the same time, like you can, uh, sorry, not targeted at you, but um, at the same time, I think that you can, like take baby steps, right? Like you, you can like volunteer once a month or you can, you know, you can make a donation here and there. Like there are very small ways that you can kind of build towards that. And I think that um, that's something to note, especially for people who are so busy with their careers that they might not have as much time to think about it as they'd like. Um, one, one of my final questions to you is, um, and I know you're going to have a good answer for this. What is something you overemphasize the importance of in uni and what's something you think you undervalue during uni as well? Yeah. That is a good, good question, which I feel like I've said to all your questions because they have been very great questions. Um, Okay, let's start with what did I overvalue? I think in university, I overvalued, you know, this notion of a chronological system of steps when it came to my future. Um, Mm -hmm. I very much was focused on, okay, in first year, I do this. In second year, I do this. And I have to get an internship, you know, because mm. everyone gets internships in second year. And if you, if you don't, you're just, you're just going to fail, you know. Um, and in third year, like the time comes, I have to apply for grad programs. I go through that and then I have to graduate and then I have to work immediately and do mm. ABC, right? And I think I had a very siloed perspective in that sense. Um, and so did a lot of my peers, I would say. I think it was very common. Um, and I definitely overvalued that sequence of events. I think right. it's good to, it's always good to know where you're going, I think. And I think that is um, something that if you know where you're going, you should be grateful that you do have that um, direction and that purpose. But I think for a lot of people, that isn't the case. And to force yourself into that when you don't necessarily feel it um, yeah. can actually close your eyes to a lot of different parts that you potentially may take. And I think by overvaluing the time notion over the thing that you're actually doing, you're, it just leads to a lot of burnout. I think for me, at least, if I were to go back, I would want to relive my experiences at university as more of a slow burn. You know, I want mm. to achieve things gradually. I want to always be learning new things. I don't want to just achieve everything in this one year and then be the greatest I could possibly be. And then, you know, this is the peak of my life, essentially. Like, I still want to be learning things when I'm in my 20s, when I'm in my 30s, when I'm in my 40s. Like, I still want to be improving myself. And um, having that perspective, I feel like, would have been right because I think I overvalued the um, traditional, traditional quote-unquote path. Um, so that is something I'd say. Value your own rhythm, your own pace, um, where you want to go over this 
predisposed notion of like ABC, right? Um, on the flip side, something I undervalued. That is a good question. I think I actually undervalued a lot of things outside of uni. So I think I did, you know, get involved with clubs. That is, a, I would say, an extracurricular. But I think I did undervalue um, a lot of different aspects to university experience, A being, you know, exchange. Like I didn't go on exchange. I think that would have been something awesome I could have tried out. I think B, I knew a lot of my peers did diplomas in different areas or they did, you know, breaths in really cool areas. And I think I undervalued that because A, I was mm. overvaluing the concept <laughs> of success in a way. Yeah. Um, so I undervalued those experiences. And I think I, I also just undervalued the fact that I was in my 20s. I was a young student. Mm. And uh, this was, you know, the time when consequences were very limited when it comes to trying things, right? Like, you know, you get old, not to say that when you get older, it's all over, but when you get older, you know, you have more on your plate, you have more responsibilities. It's not as easy to just drop everything and try something new, for example. Mm -hmm. um, and I think... I have another quote, so prepare yourself. But I think um, to encapsulate, and I guess to sum that all up, I think it's important to to treat your twenties, or maybe not twenties, but just like when you're young, when you're when you're in uni, for example, as a dressing room instead of a waiting room. So I think when I was in that era of my life, I was always waiting for things to happen to me. I was waiting for the next thing, for the next stage of this path that I had created in my mind, instead of treating it as a dressing room and just trying on different things and seeing what, what fit and things like that. So I think, you right. know, it brings that sense of agency back as well, because mm -hmm. you, you are in control. You're not just at the whims of some other person, you know, some other person that might offer you a job, some other person might, who might give you this opportunity, but you yeah. are actively seeking these things out for yourself and in a very low risk environment as well. So that is my answer to that question. <laughs> oh, that is ridiculously good. I'm not, I'm not going to lie the whole time. I'm just thinking that uh, I think you should run this podcast, to be honest. <laughs> that is a very, very good quote. I think, yeah, I can't believe how well that, I don't know if you thought of that on the spot or something, but that's, uh, that's yeah, that, that is quite good. I, I forgot what you even said, to be honest. I just remembered <laughs> that bit. But um, I think the point you mentioned about Especially, I mean, it's not just exchange, but I think the thing that I like keep on telling people, um, like having been on exchange, like I keep on telling people like, sure, like you, you're going to get to travel like in your 20s, right? You're like, you're going to have a job, you're going to have time off work, that's fine. But like, you're never also going to be a undergrad student ever okay. again in your life. Like you're going to do a master's, you might do your master's overseas, right? You, you're going to travel with your friends again, that's fine. But you're never going to be like an undergrad student, have so little to lose. And there are people who are literally talking about you know, like, like work and like, like starting their job like three months earlier so that they can, you know, um, so that they, can, you know, get paid first. And it's just like, you, and, and granted, like, there are a lot of people who, you know, maybe in a situation where they don't have a choice and that, that's fair. But like, you know, you, like I said, like, these are literally once in a lifetime opportunities, as you mentioned, right? Um, so I think you, you put it really, really well. Um, and, I definitely need to write some of these quotes down. They're, they're pretty, they're pretty ridiculous. But I think that brings us to the end because we've been chatting for a while. Um, Lucy, that was such an awesome chat. Um, we're so lucky to have you on. And yeah, I think you've given us, myself included, a big, big 
bunch of things to think about, but you've also put it in a very eloquent way as everyone has, has been able to tell. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. Well, this is a dream come true for me, at least, because I am quite literally your biggest fan. So um, thank you so much. And I hope, you know, I feel like I'm a bit of a rambler at times, but I hope I, I gave some nuggets of wisdoms for the listeners, especially those who are still in university and tackling all this. You're not alone. Everyone went through this. And I think, you know, stay true to yourself and that you'll, you'll, you won't go wrong. 100%. Fantastic. All right. Thanks so much for coming on, Lucy. Thanks, Evan. And that puts an end to our episode. Thanks so much for listening. A reminder to subscribe to our socials and share this podcast around if you found it helpful so we can help transform the graduate job hunt of as many students as possible. In the meantime, I'm sure you'll find it helpful to browse through our resources available on wherewithsep.com. I'll see you in the next episode.